Well, this Easter, uh, Easter Sunday 2017, I want you to walk away. I want you to walk away with the belief and the knowledge that God not only moved the stone in front of the tomb to let Jesus out, but also to let us in. To let us into a new start, to let us into a new beginning, a clean slate where we can begin life with God. In fact, I had dinner with a friend of mine this past week where he was sitting just like you were on an Easter morning service, um, just kind of doing the thing once or twice a year. We come to Easter or Christmas, and God just rocked his world. And he said, yes, I want to begin a new start, a fresh start. How many of you this morning want a fresh start? And wouldn't it be nice uh, when we do projects around the house, perhaps it's, it's painting the walls in your house, cleaning the garage, or maybe even raising children where you're like halfway through, it's like, I wish I could do this over. Or maybe it's your career, maybe it's a marriage, uh, maybe it's your finances, and you, you wish you could have a mulligan, just kind of start over again. And the, beauty, the beautiful thing of Easter is God's, God is saying Easter, you can do that. You can do that through my son, Jesus Christ. You can have a fresh start. You can have a new beginning. In fact, St. Paul pens these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. A clean slate and a fresh start come from God by way of Jesus Christ. We can have that. But the natural question that comes up, but how, how does that happen? How does that happen? What does it look like really in, in certain terms for us to have that fresh start? I want to give you three responses this morning. And these responses, some of them are based on a mentor of mine that words that have, have stayed with me for a long time. And then the first one is this. If you have your teaching notes, you can follow along. Is that when we say yes to this new start, when we say yes to this clean slate and starting over with God, is that you receive new vision about life. And, and I love how, how Paul writes in Romans 6 uh, verse 4. He says, just as Christ raised, as, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Father, Father, we also can live a new life. So if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can give you and I a fresh start, a new beginning. And that's what happens when we have that in our lives and we begin this, this, this new beginning, this fresh start, is that God gives us a new vision in life. We begin to see things differently. I have talked to so many people who have become Christians who've asked Jesus Christ in their life as their Savior and as the leader of their life. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. People have done this, and they have said to me over and over, it's like all of a sudden I could see for the first time in my life. It's like that, that line from Amazing Grace, I was once blind, but now I can see. And that's what happens. We see things differently. We see God differently. We see problems differently. We see circumstances, struggles, problems differently. And this should be no surprise to us because Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he has eight I am statements where he declares who he is. And he says, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you will not stumble in darkness. But my living light will flood your path. I want you to underline that in your Bible or in your teaching notes. That, that, light, that living light will flood your path. Because for a lot of us, when that happens, it's all of a sudden we can see things. And conversely, when we don't have that, and we don't have God in our life, we stumble around, don't we? 
It's, it's like things don't make sense. It's, it's like we have a hard time really seeing what direction our, our life want, needs to go. It seems like we struggle with challenges and circumstances a lot more because we can't see. It's kind of like me taking out my contact lenses, which I'm going to do. And I've been wearing these since I was 16. So I've had some good practice, but this is the first time in front of a live audience. So we're going to see how this goes. I had somebody in the first service when I was doing this, they're like, why didn't you just wear your glasses, Craig? I'm like, that's too easy. But taking my contacts out, I am nearly blind. In fact, my son's sitting over there. I can't, I can't even see him, though. I know he's sitting next to me because he was sitting next to me before I came up. But I, I, I can't see his face. And I, in fact, I can't see anybody's face right now. One big blur. And for a lot of us, that's what it's like without life with God. It's just one big blur. And we're stumbling around. In fact, if I were to walk down these stairs, which I'm not going to do, I would probably fall at some point. And some ushers would have to come and pick me up, and somebody else would have to step in and preach. And you'd probably like that. And you're like, go ahead, Craig, walk down the stairs. But it's like when I go to the eye doctor, I, I can see the E right now because it's nice and big. But when I go to the eye doctor, I can't see any of that. My vision is really, really bad, especially in my left eye. And that's true for a lot of us. We, we just really can't see. And yet Jesus says that if you follow me, my light, my light will flood your path. You'll begin to see again. And it's like when I put my contacts back in, and this is always a challenge, because these things are just, they get smaller and smaller as I get older. In the first service, as I was putting the first one in, it went in backwards. And if you wear contacts, you know that's never a good thing. There we go. Now, that is worth the price of admission right there. That's all I got. I'm just going to pray. We're done. But when, you, when, you, when I have my contacts in, all of a sudden that changes to something I can see. I mean, I go to the eye doctor and I can fly through that. I can see. And that's what happens when we have this new start, this fresh beginning with, in life with God, is we can see. We have this clarity. Now, to be honest, though, we can't see and understand everything. We have unanswerable questions that on this side of life are not going to be answered. We're not going to have perfect clarity about those things. I have no idea why my mom was taken 14 years ago. And it still hurts me. And it's still at times where I ask God, God gives me peace. He's helped me to manage it, but I, I still come back to God. And I said, God, she was so young. I, I need her now more than any time of my life in this past year of mine. And for my, my kids, they lost their grandmother. Why did that happen to them? And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where you have a loved one who's going through a really hard health condition. Yesterday, I visited three people in the hospital. And each time, I was like, God, heal them. Why is this happening to them? We have those, those questions that we struggle with. Why do I have cancer? Or, or why, why this job that was so perfect for me, now I was let go because of the layoffs in my company? Why does that happen? And in this side of life, we're not going to have answers to that. But Paul assures us that at some point that we are going to find out 
the answers to that. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, one day we will see everything. Circle that word, everything. One day we will see everything with perfect clarity. Then we will know everything completely just as God knows us now. So when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to understand what, why those things happened. And perhaps we're going to be able to see that this happened at that moment in time because this developed something in me that would have not happened otherwise. We're going to be able to see just as God knows us now. It's going to make sense. And that's the first benefit of, of saying yes to this new start with God is where you have a new vision about life. And secondly, is that you receive or experience a new certainty about your future. A new certainty about your future. So many of us are asking the question, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? It's like our, our minds and our hearts are just racked with questions like, what next month and two months about our children or perhaps ourselves? And we have, we have this uncertainty. But when we say yes to this new start with God, this new life with God, a clean slate, he gives us a certainty about our future. Almost to the day, I celebrate 22 years of full-time pastoral ministry. And in those years, I can say one thing I've understood. No matter the person, every single person has insecurity, has fears, has doubts. No matter what you see on the outside, no matter what kind of aura or veneer that you see around other people, deep down it's universal. We all struggle with that. We have fears. We have insecurities. And what we try to circumvent, or we try to assuage that by our achievements or our accomplishments and clutch onto them as a way to have some confidence, to have some certainty. Or maybe it's our appearance. We change our appearance, buy a new wardrobe, go shopping, and all of a sudden we have some more confidence, some more certainty. But the problem is it's fleeting. The only thing that will last is a certainty that comes from God, and God promises us that. He does that in a couple of ways. First of all, he forgives us everything that we've done wrong. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation, there is no guilt and shame for those who belong to Christ. Because guilt and shame are the great destroyer of confidence and certainty about our future. Sometimes we hang on to, to something that happened to us years ago or maybe somebody said something to us and it just kind of takes us out at the knees and we have no confidence or we have very little certainty about our future and that guilt and shame tends to hurt us. But, but God says, no, 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 no. Your sins are forgiven. Your mistakes are taken away into oblivion. You are forgiven. God gives us the confidence and certainty about our future by forgiving us for everything that we did wrong. And secondly, is that he gives us the strength to face tomorrow, to face each day. A verse our women have been going through in a Bible study in the book of Ephesians, a passage called the armor of God. It's a metaphor. But that passage begins with a great verse. It's something I've been reading over and over this past week. Paul writes this, Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might or mighty power. That might be the word that you need to hear this morning as you walk away, is to be strong in God and in the strength of his might or his mighty power. Maybe for some time that verse has been sort of rewritten in your life where you have been strong in yourself. 
where you've been strong in your own sort of mighty power, as if your own self-sufficiency will carry you through, your own strength, but it doesn't. Ernest Hemingway, favorite author of mine, and as we approach summer, it's just, summer is a great time, isn't it, to read? June, July, and August, nothing better than a book uh, at the cabin. And so many of us get, get back into reading, and we have the three months in the summer to read. Or if you live in Duluth, you have three weeks in July. But, but you, it's time to get back into reading, and I love Hemingway. But Hemingway, his life was a different kind of life. I mean, he was a hard drinker. Uh, lived life in a hard way, lots of women. He's sort of the man's man. He projected this aura of a macho man and, and kind of defined that term before the village people actually sang that song. And, but he was like this, this rough and tough guy. And, and later in his life, when he was in, living in Key West, he was called Papa. He's known as that. Uh, uh, Playboy interviewed Papa uh, Hemingway. And they talked about, in, interviewing his life, about how, what, a, what, what a man's man he was. And they actually quoted the Bible in that interview, ironically, and it said, the wages of sin is death. But evidently, for Hemingway, it's all worked out. They were going to do a follow-up interview with Hemingway, but it, they didn't have a chance because it wasn't until, what, five months later where Hemingway took a shotgun and shot himself in the head, committed suicide. And he wrote, he left these words, my life is as empty as a vacuum tube. And I can't, st- I can't stand watching my life move so fastly and not living it. And that might epitomize you this morning. I can't, I can't stand living it. I'm not living life. And there was a friend of his, his best friend, later on that said this, you know, Ernest must have told me at least a thousand times, it's a tough business being a man. It is a tough business being a man. It's a tough business being a woman. It's a tough business being anyone in this world, right? Yes. Life is hard. Life is a challenge. But when we say yes to this fresh start that's given to us by God, where he invites us into the empty tomb to begin this this clean slate in this new beginning, we're given this confidence and this certainty about life. We have a sense of that strength. But that's not the best thing. The best thing is this. The best thing is where you and I can do life with God. You can do life with God. Isn't that beautiful? The creator of the universe, God, transcendent, full of power, full of knowledge, everywhere. That this God wants to do life with you. In fact, Paul writes this, now we can rejoice We can rejoice. We can clap our hands, stomp our feet in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because, the key word, because of what our Lord Jesus has done for us in making us friends with God. Wow. Making us friends with God. That is unbelievable. That you and I can have this relationship, this friendship. In fact, God created you to love you. He wants to love you. It's not about you following all these rules. It's not about you having perfect, perfect church attendance. It's not about you knowing all these verses. It's about you knowing and loving God. That's the primary purpose of your life. It's not about growing up, going to school, getting a job, making lots of money, retiring, and then dying. That's, that's not the purpose of your life. Your purpose of life is to know and love God, God both now and forevermore. 
now and forevermore, to know and love God. That is the purpose of life. And I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't care if you're Catholic or Protestant. I don't care if you're Mormon or Muslim or Buddhist or Baptist or, or uh, Canadian or Californian. Every, uh, every person has an opportunity to be friends with God. And Paul echoes this in Colossians 3.11. This is a different kind of translation. He says this, In this new life, in this new start, in this clean slate, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters. And here, here it is. And he is equally available to all. He is equally available to all. That means you, that means you right now, and that means you in this service. He is available to you. I'll never forget when in 1978, which coincidentally was the last time the Vikings were in the Super Bowl, and might be the last time the Vikings were in the Super Bowl, but in 1978, my best friend Bobby, after a church service, I grew up in rural Wisconsin, after a church service from our pastor, Pastor Holmes, we came up to him and, and we just kind of said in our own words, we like to have this fresh start that you're talking about in your sermon. You know, how can we go about doing that? He brought us into his office. And right there, he just kind of explained what it, what it looked like. This fresh start, new beginning, inviting Jesus Christ into our lives as our Savior and leader. And right there, we prayed. I still remember the moment. For a drive over to that church, I could tell you exactly where it was. We prayed this prayer to make Jesus Christ the leader of our lives. And Bobby and I just said, yes, today, we want that. We want that to happen. And here's the thing. When we, I prayed that prayer, it wasn't like something just incredible or supernatural happened. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's your story. Something supernatural happened. It didn't happen for me. I didn't have, like, all these emotions. There, there wasn't, like, a quiver in my liver. I wasn't walking around saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord all the time, or singing all these songs, which was actually really good because I have a terrible voice. But it wasn't like all of a sudden these, these things changed my life right away. I didn't, I didn't have these emotions. I didn't have this experience where God was beginning to talk to me, like all of a sudden audibly, this is God. Listen to me, Case. There was nothing like that. But as I realized as I grew and developed in my faith, I, I realized the implications of that decision. It was the most important decision I made in my life. And it's kind of like in a way for me as, as a parent. When I had my son Alex and my daughter Allison, they're about 20 months apart, that I didn't realize right away, you know, just in, in terms of what it meant to be a dad, to be a father. I remember telling my mom that, and she said, well, you better figure out quick because you're a dad. But as my kids grew up, and as they got older, I realized each year, this is a singular joy. There's nothing like this. I've been a dad. There's a picture of me and, and my kids right before school. I think Alex was heading off to either kindergarten or first grade. He's got a little backpack right there. And then uh, probably the, the most spiritual experience of my life, next picture is uh, being at the first Starbucks ever made in Seattle. <laughs> it was a joyous moment. My kids were too young to understand the moment. <laughs> but it was a moment. I, I look a little lighter back then. Less weight. <laughs> oh, I still remember that. But as they grew and developed, I began to understand the implications of being a dad. 
And each year it gets better and better in realizing the benefits. And, and in the same way, when, when you say yes to this fresh start, this new beginning in Christ, you begin to understand the implications of that, and it just grows and grows. And for those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, and you have plateaued at some point, I pray that you recapture and rediscover the joy and the beauty of being a follower of Jesus, of being a friend with God. And your question is, how do I do this, or how do I get that? How do I get this fresh start in my life? First, begin by opening your eyes. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 8. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Got to open your eyes. In this service, open your eyes to what God is inviting you to. One person came up to Helen Keller one time and said, it must be a tragedy being blind. And she responded, the greater tragedy is having eyes and not seeing. And this is your moment. This is your moment in the service. I've been praying for you. I don't know you by name, but I've been praying for you to say yes. Today, to say yes to this invitation of having Jesus in your life. Again, it's not about religion. It's not about the thou shall nots. It's about having this relationship and saying, yes, I want that fresh start. I want that new beginning. In the back of your program, even though if you haven't been following along, I want you to turn over the back of your program. There's a prayer right there. And we're going to pray this. It's very similar to that prayer that Bobby and I prayed back in 1978. And it says, Dear God, today I say yes. I want a fresh start today. I'd like more clarity and confidence, but most of all, a new connection to you. Doing life with you. Thank you for loving me and sending your son Jesus to die so I could be forgiven. Help me to understand it more. Jesus, as best as I know, I want to get to know you. I want to love and trust you. I invite you to be the leader of my life from this day forward. Today I say yes. Amen. With heads bowed, I want to invite everybody here, everybody, to repeat this prayer after me. With heads bowed. You can whisper it, you can say it out loud, however you want to do it, but I'd like you to repeat these words after me, this prayer. Dear God, today I say yes. I want a fresh start today. I'd like more clarity and confidence. But most of all, I want a new connection to you. Thank you for loving me and sending your son Jesus to die so that I could be forgiven. Help me to understand it more. As Jesus, as best as I know, I want to get to know you. And I want to lo- learn to love and trust you. I invite you to be the leader of my life from this day forward. Today I say yes. Amen. Let me pray. God in heaven, for those who said these words for the very first time, I pray that you would meet them where they're at, 
and that you would give them strength and confidence going forward. And God, I pray that they would have a new vision about life. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide and, and comfort them. You are called the comforter as they've made this important decision going forward. It's not going to be easy. They may have friends that question their decision. They call them a Jesus freak or something. They may even have family members that really doubt the decision they made this morning. I pray that you comfort them. And we know that you'll give us a strength for what we face. For us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said?